0: You're listening to the Heart of Giving podcast with Art Taylor, powered by bbbgive.org. Here we explore the motivations that form the basis of giving and service. We inspire generosity and celebrate the transformative effects that giving and service have on the human spirit and on community. The conversations featured on the podcast also uncover giving strategies that educate and provide tools to help listeners make impactful gifts of both their time and money. We hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Welcome to the Heart of Giving podcast, powered by BBBgive.org. Give.org is the nation's standards-based charity evaluator, and it's your one-stop source for information on giving and reports on the most asked about charities. I'm Art Taylor. Have you ever thought about how young people learn to give or what is it about us as humans that makes us givers? Are we just born with this notion that we should be helping others when they need help? Do we think about it in terms of people maybe helping us when we needed help and wanting to give something back? to those who've who've helped us or be there for the others who might need help. Or do we, um, many of us, I guess, get this notion from religion. You know, our religion might tell us that we should be giving back to society because a beneficent uh, deity has made life accessible and possible for us. We should be doing that as well for other people. There may be a whole variety of reasons why we give, And some of it in America, I have to believe, is cultural. In our culture, our nation wasn't created simply to have government do everything for us. We were very much into having independent action to build our societies and our culture. And so giving is just part of the American fabric. But it's also important, I think, that we give correctly or that maybe correctly might not be the right word. but. We should give with some forethought. Maybe we should be better educated givers in some cases. And what a better time to start this than when we're young, when we're young and impressionable to be able to have people around us who have sort of a heart for giving, who have information and knowledge that they can share with us so that we become effective givers So we're gonna talk with two people today who are doing just that. They are working with the younger generations to help them appreciate the power that comes from giving, to help them see how they can change community by giving and see how they can even improve their own lives really by giving to others. And so today with me is Betsy Peterson, and Olivia Henry Harris from the Council of Michigan Foundations, who are going to talk with me about the work they're doing to educate younger people in particularly on the power of giving and how to do it well. Ladies, welcome to the Heart of Giving podcast.
2: Thank you, Art. We're happy to be here.
1: So, Betsy, let me start with you. You have a program that educates young people about giving and how to do it well. Tell me about that program and how did it get started?
2: Yeah. Learning to give is a resource that any adult may use if they're interested in helping young people learn to be generous and to use their voice and skills to make a difference in the world. Youth Young people do have a natural tendency toward giving. We see it when toddlers share their, or their Cheerios with us. We see it when they mimic us when we're sweeping, they wanna help, they wanna help mow the lawn with their toy lawnmowers. They have that natural spirit. There is also a formal knowledge about philanthropy and learning to give has resources that help adults teach those skills the knowledge and the behaviors that empower youth voice and we start as simply as giving language definitions talking about community and the ways we act in community through literature lots of great diverse books have great talking points about those kinds of skills and knowledge uh, but we have lots of resources so that parents, teachers, community members, youth group leaders can can lead youth and and help them recognize that their voice matters
1: great, and Olivia, you have a program that actually teaches young people to be grant makers. I would love to hear a bit about that and how it got going
3: yeah. So, at the Council of Michigan Foundations, we're a membership association for philanthropic foundations, and so one of those types of foundations are community foundations, and within those community foundations that cover every single county in the state of Michigan are also those youth advisory councils, and the whole purpose of those youth advisory councils, there's about 86 of them across the state, and The whole point of them is youth granting to youth. They are directing those funds in the endowment they have to projects, resources um, that they think are going to be impactful for youth. And as youth making those decisions to where those funds will really go. Along with the grant making part, they're also participating in actual development and leadership development, too, so that they can have a well-rounded approach to how to do the grant making.
1: Fantastic. I mean, these are two programs that I'm sure a lot of people maybe outside of Michigan don't know a whole lot about. Now, Betsy, you mentioned to me in, a, in our setup to the conversation today that your work also extends not only in Michigan, but around the country and maybe even around the world. How does that work?
2: Well, we are internet-based and free, open-source. It was important to us that all youth are exposed to the skills of philanthropy. So though we started in Michigan, we made our resources available con- nationwide, but then there's been a lot of interest internationally. And so we've just expanded, and, and we have about a million users every year visiting our site and using the variety of
1: resources. Wow. Wow. So, Olivia, when you go to reach out to young people, how do you what do you say to them to get them connected to this? Is it a hard sell to say to young people, hey, we're going to put some money in a pot and you have to decide where it goes?
3: It's not a hard sell once they know what it is. And once they know they actually have the voice and the power to direct where these funds go, it's really empowering also for them to know that they can do this and make a difference in their communities that way. Yeah, once they know what it is and know that they can commit to being able to really lean into it and be effective, people really love to get involved.
1: So how old are the people or young people that you're talk we're talking about here?
3: So majority of them are seventh to twelfth graders.
1: Okay. So when I was in seventh to twelfth grade, I would have said, "You can put it in my pocket." <laughs> you mean I can tell anywhere? Tell you anywhere I wanted to go? Well, I'd raise my hand. You can put it in my pocket. But, uh, <laughs> but actually, you know, I would I would imagine that when they get to really understanding the importance of what they're doing, they can see that there are things in life that are bigger than them. And I just think that's so important. That message can't be emphasized enough that humans live in a global community in that when some people are struggling, most of us are struggling. We're struggling, too, in different ways in that we should be there for people. And if someone can do as you're doing, which is make resources available and use their brain power and their instincts to direct resources to people in need, I would think that's good in a variety of ways. One is good for the people who are getting the money because people have thought through this in ways and given it a sense of interpretation and understanding that some may not have had. And more importantly, the young people too are understanding the power that they have when they can make these kinds of decisions To affect their communities. So I think that's terrific. Well, seventh grade is pretty young, but Betsy, you're dealing with parents who are older, but maybe their kids are even younger than seventh grade, I understand.
2: Yeah, that's right. Even the youngest children have opinions, have a viewpoint. And it's a common misconception that youth don't care about their community, but They have giving hearts, and I know Olivia sees it too. When they see that their voice matters, they really empower it. Uh, They really take hold and, and do something great with it. I'm thinking of a group of third graders from New York City who were feeling a lot of stress about an oncoming testing season, and this is the time of year when lots of schools are doing testing. And the teacher just said to them, do you think other people are feeling this way? Well, they did a little bit of research. They found out lots of kids of different grade levels, different neighborhoods were all feeling this stress. So they did a little bit of research and on their own said, we should be doing yoga. We should be meditating. And they learned about the impact of squeezing a stress ball to relieve tension. So as a service to other kids in their community, they made stress balls, taught yoga and meditation, and were eager to share that out. And then after testing season was over and they were reflecting, they said, what are we going to do next?
1: How wonderful is that? You know, so many lessons can come from giving. I know personally, I've learned so much about communities, about the challenges that people are dealing with and the importance of trying things, even though many times the things you're trying don't work, it's important to try. And I wonder how young people think about impact, because we talk a lot about impact and where everybody wants to make impact. And, you know, you hear some people say, oh, I want to make impact. So I went to a I went to a, a dance the other day. Or I want to make impact. So I I gave money to a particular organization Uh, or I want to make impact. So I'm going to get into a march. But it looks like young people may have a different sense of impact than maybe some other people who have been out there a bit longer, maybe a bit more mature because they want to see the problem solved. You know, and they want to see it solved today. You know, if people are hungry. They want it over now. You know, they may not have the understanding or the, the sense that some of these problems that we're dealing with as nonprofits can be pernicious and long-term. How do we help people appreciate, young people in particular, that some of the problems that we're dealing with in society persist and that what we're trying to do mostly is provide hope that someday we can get past some of these things. What do we say to them, Betsy or Olivia, about that?
3: Yeah, that's a lot. (laughs) So (laughs) a few things is like when I'm working with these youth advisory councils, we do still teach about sustainability with those grants and actual need. And we do needs assessments and the diversity of where the funds are coming and going to also But when it comes to impact, we also teach about that and what it means to them and figuring it out. What kind of impact would you actually be happy with when we're doing these grants, when we're having these discussions? If, for example, a playground that is accessible for those in wheelchairs, that can make an impact. It can be sustainable, a need. Is the amount of people that are going to be impacted the largest? No, but you're still making an impact. It's still needed. It's still making a difference. And being able to see that difference, even if it isn't that complete shift in what is happening in the systems that we're living in, is still what I believe and have seen youth caring about overall. We teach that We know a lot of things will not change overnight. We're working out of endowments, even though even the way those are set up aren't meant to make complete changes overnight. But building at it, working at it step after step and continuing that kind of pathway and pipelines to having more people involved in making those differences will grow how many people are caring about the changes in that way hopefully making the impact in those ways too
1: as as go ahead betsy if you wanted to say something too go ahead
3: i did i i was
2: thinking about how we learn from our mistakes and we grow from them we also learn from our successes and kids get little incremental successes that show their voice matters when we do a lot of different activities and opportunities for advocacy and civic engagement, those are all little successes we build. And those can be incredibly meaningful yeah. toward impact.
1: Do you all also help young people understand the importance of accountability and ethical behavior on par- on the part of organizations? Obviously, that's the world that I operate in. We want to make sure that organizations are trustworthy and deserving of the resources that they get. I'm curious if there's anything that you do in that regard.
3: Yeah, that's a great question. For these youth advisory councils, we really emphasize doing your due diligence in the research that for these different nonprofits you're potentially granting to. So when you're actually reviewing those grant reports, look into them, see what they've already done in the community, see if it's a new thing, but how are they trying to go about it? Is it a change that is really going to impact the community in a positive way and that's needed? And like I mentioned before, we use needs assessments too, so that you're actually hitting on what the community needs and not just the thoughts of certain people on those groups and taking that type of well-rounded approach. So that's part of um, how we've been approaching that.
1: Great. And how do we tell, Betsy, young people, really young people under, let's say, under 10, (laughs) you know, how do we talk to them about the importance of these organizations being trustworthy and the idea that there may be some out there who who won't do what they say they're going to do and we need to be careful about them? How do we teach that? And in fact, you may need to teach it to some parents, too, while you're at it.
2: Well, there's a couple things. It might not be as direct as Olivia's group. And with Olivia's group, Olivia, don't we often find that the youth are harder on pe- on organizations than adults are?
3: <laughs> yes, for sure.
2: One of the resources that we have on Learning to Give is called Open the Door in Your Community or Open Doors in Your Community. And we have little videotapes. So for example, they get to know the food pantry in one community and then we give them tools to learn about the food pantry in their own community and give them some guiding questions so they can do a little bit of due diligence. So it's a real soft ask and approach to to community foundations or community nonprofits. The second thing that we do at the younger ages is teach media literacy and how to have critical conversations. So we give them some tools for asking questions, digging a little deeper, and then using some skills to push a little bit more and be respectful as they do that pushing.
1: Now, Olivia, I'm thinking about young people working together because it sounds like what you're doing is highly collaborative. No one person gets to make the decision about where this money goes. So there's a fair amount, I would imagine, of you... Helping them understand the importance of working together and being respectful and the power of collaboration. How do you go about making them understand and appreciate that if they work together, they're going to get potentially a better decision than they did if they didn't?
3: Yeah, great question. So one of the ways we go about that from the CMF perspective are the trainings we do every year that we offer to all of the youth advisory councils. And one of them that really covers that topic is just how to be an effective counsel. And within that, we're teaching about what different committees are so that they can learn those different ways and work in those ways, but also how to even come about getting to a consensus because they're needing to do that when doing the grant making and deciding where the funds are going. But we also teach about community engagement and diversity, equity, inclusion and advocacy and public policy, all of those things on top of grant making one-on-one so that they're really using it all to impact how they're going to work together as a group.
1: Yeah and bridging is so important in in our society to get today right we have people who have all different ways of thinking about how to solve problems different ideologies which i'm sure develop at an early age and people don't necessarily come from the same place in how to solve problems and it's so important just to get people talking and to develop trust among each other does this program also enable that to occur
3: Yes, yeah so I mentioned like the diversity equity and inclusion training we do. It's really about even doing an introductory um, viewpoint of those discussions and how is identity an aspect of who we are and recognizing that identity and diversity and all of those things are more than just race, gender, sexuality, all of those things that we generally will talk about, but bringing it up to the level of like socioeconomic status. Are you from different types of households? What is your different cultural backgrounds, your geographical backgrounds, all of that, so that you're learning deeper about the other people you're working with, but also the communities you're working with too. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I, I just can't impress on anyone enough that we're at a point in time in our culture where we have to get people talking to each other. We can't really solve any problems if we don't talk to each other, even if we have very different points of view about how things should occur. You know, it's hard to make progress in a society if we have large numbers of people who don't want to talk to each other or don't want to get to know each other, don't want to develop the trust where things can, can occur. And in our culture today with so many social media filters that were put into our lives and we seem to get information that is fed to us because we seem to like it, not because we need to hear it. And uh, these filter bubbles can keep people from each other. But I just know I have such a faith in young people that if we could just get them talking and addressing problems collaboratively, There's so much more that we can expect out of society and it's good that you are getting to them young and when they're at an age where they're not corrupted by some of the ways that we as adults think, (laughs) you know, uh, their minds are much more malleable to um, just seeing what's in front of them and not being fed things that that don't make a whole lot of sense to them. So. I'm really happy that you're working with them at this age. Now, Betsy, when you're talking to parents about your program, because this is an important area too, do you find that the parents are learning just as much sometimes as the kids are learning as you uh, share your information? I'm assuming that sometimes parents, I know nobody taught me how to give. I just had to develop it because I was in that profession. but. I would think that most people don't really understand what good giving habits are. They give. And we've seen studies that point out that not very many people do much homework before they give. They sort of give because somebody asked, but they don't do a lot of homework about the organizations that they're giving to. So this may be some of the first information that people are actually getting. Older people are actually getting about the importance of you know, thinking through your gift before you make it.
2: Yes, our, our resources on learning to give are very collaborative in that way. So for example, we have an activity called the Blue Sky Activity where participants envision a future, look at what's going really well and what the gaps are. And this is such a great conversation tool for people of all ages. So adults are sharing their perspective, youth are sharing their perspective, bringing what they know, bringing their interests and passions. And we're all learning together at that time. We have some really wonderful resources about social emotional learning. Who am I? What's my identity? What's important to me? What's the identity of my neighbor? And being able to understand who I am in community And while adults are doing that with children, I guarantee they are learning about their own identity and their own place in community too. We do these activities with adults and they say, I'm bringing this back to my own work now because it is such a learning experience when you're asking these questions about who am I in community and what's my role? And we have such different roles.
1: So let me ask you this question. Do young people seem to have causes that matter more to them than than others? What are you generally seeing? Where are they directing their time, energy and attention?
2: Yeah, and I'm gonna let Olivia answer this because she has done some real research in this area.
3: Okay. Thanks, Betsy. So especially for that seventh and 12th grade area that I work with more so in through those needs assessments, we're really seeing mental health is a big one. And they're recognizing that too and wanting to make even more of an impact and changes and combat stigma, all of that. Along with that is anti bullying, pressure just to succeed overall, drug and alcohol substance abuse and how to combat that. And along with just college readiness is and career readiness overall too, would I would say would be the top ones that keep coming up.
1: Interesting. So, areas like some of the things I think are important too. I mean, all of that which you said, I, I certainly get. How do they view things like the arts and you know other sort of cultural nonprofit organizations? Do they have any time or interest in those things at this point?
3: Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. And what I'm seeing for the most part is those. Topics in those issue areas that I just mentioned, where can those be infused with those other areas? So the arts with just STEM things in general, so science and technology, engineering, math, all of that, um, along with actual just everyday work. Where can everything be infused in the intersections of all that happen so that we're hitting, what's it called, two birds with one stone to be able to do it all.
1: Have you seen young people evolve in their giving interest from let's say seventh grade to twelfth grade or twelfth graders looking at things differently maybe than seventh graders?
3: Yes. Yeah. Especially as they go through these programs. They really are able to get a better understanding of what they're learning. And so that way that's impacting the way that they're giving, the way that they're approaching giving, the way they're approaching just community work in general so that they can share that knowledge even more. So with their peers and with how they go about just their future in general, too.
1: This is awesome. I'm just I feel so great about this work. Because, again, our society is supported by many, many people who give hours, time, money to organizations and to causes that they believe in. And to learn that there are organizations out there helping to facilitate this at a very early age is very inspiring to me. Let me ask you both. What have you learned from this process? Betsy, let me ask you to go first. What have you learned being director of this program for the time that you've been director? What what has stood out for you as something that's so critical about what you're doing?
2: I've learned that all kids have a capacity for learning and a passion for it. And when they are introduced to it and given the opportunity, they are empowered at a higher level. Yeah and that's that's probably the biggest takeaway i've
1: had. Olivia.
3: Yeah. So youth aren't only the leaders of the future, they are here now making differences every day and really recognizing that for me as i've worked with these groups more has been going up to the top of mind for sure. And if I or we, all of us, can bring more awareness to youth, their efforts, and provide more platforms for them, their voices, and to be heard in those positive interactions, I think all of that will help with the betterment of society and especially those like communities that have been underserved historically for sure. And that will bring us all to a better future as well. Youth tend to definitely have more openness when it comes to change, less stuck in their ways. They're more into digging into new and exciting ways to approach issues, have inherent kind of curiosity, and have a boldness in the way they approach work that I really admire and I still learn from every day.
1: Well, listen, we're about at the end of our time together, and I wanna just take a moment again to thank you both for what you're doing. It's really important work. And what I'd also like to know is how others in other cities might be able to get together with you and learn from this, because I I would hope that as people hear this, they may want to reach out to you and say, hey, you know, we want to get something like this going in our state or in our city or in our community. How do they find you? What, Betsy, what do we tell people to do? To get in touch with you or your program?
2: So, Learning to Give is a national and even international program at learningtogive.org. Okay. And there is something for everybody there. You can find my contact information, but you can also scroll around and find so much information and activities to just get started
1: wherever you
2: are on this journey. Great.
1: Olivia?
3: Yes. So Council of Michigan Foundations, the website is michiganfoundations.org. And my contact information is there as well. And it's available for anyone to view and use there. Um, While we are, the programs I work with specifically are just Michigan based, I definitely connect with national and even international partners too. So definitely welcome those that are interested in getting these kind of programs started, learning more about it and to reach out and contact.
1: Well, you've been listening to Betsy Peterson and Olivia Henry Harris. They are with the council on Michigan's foundations and they are doing just remarkable work. And I just want to again, thank them and thank all of you for listening to this edition of the heart of giving podcast. And if you're listening for the first time, you can find all of our previous episodes at any major podcast platform. It's the Heart of Giving podcast. And if you're interested in supporting the podcast, you can make a donation at give.org. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you back here next time.
0: You've just listened to the Heart of Giving podcast with Art Taylor. Be sure to tune in next time for a brand new episode. To listen to our other interviews, visit heartgiving.podbean.com. That's heartgiving.podbean.com. Subscribe to our show on major podcast platforms. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are the views and opinions of the guests, not those of the BBB Wise Giving Alliance or program affiliates. This podcast is for information and educational purposes only and is copyrighted with all rights reserved. This podcast is protected by Podbean's Terms of Service.